As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Well, Sunday is looming large, currently five points behind Liverpool who come to the Emirates to talk about that and deadline day <laughs> for it was worth. I'm joined by Adrian Clark and James McNicholas. Morning. Morning. Morning, Ian. Before we get into the game, uh, uh, just a word for Neil Mopé's shithousery on Wednesday night. Properly going for it at Tottenham. He did rattle James Madison with his celebration. Sadly, Spurs came back to win the game. But Mopé still somehow managed to have a final say, posting on social media. Went a bit early with that one. Gutted we couldn't get the win. Not as gutted as us, mate. More goals and less relegations in my career than James Madison. Ooh, we go again <laughs> Monday, please. <laughs> <laughs> you got to admire it. You got to. Oh, you no, know, you do. You do. I've always been a fan, I have to say. <laughs> anyway, um, we thought we'd do a shithousery five-a-side. Obviously, Emmy Martinez is in goal. Uh, Neil Mope gets, he picks himself. Uh, can we get a horrible player from each of you to complete the side? Adrian? So many. So many so to many. choose from. If we go for current ones, I mean... Bruno Fernandes is pretty horrible, isn't he? He's he's a he's a serious irritant. <laughs> I just don't like the guy. I just but if he's on your team, Adrian, how do you feel about someone like that on your team? Oh, I keep Obviously. banging on about how many chances he creates and what what a great you know what a great great creator is. But nah, I, he he deserves his place on this team alongside two two shithousery stars. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm. I'm of a mind to make him captain, to be honest with you, uh, <laughs> Fernandez. But uh, what about you, James? What you got? I've gone for Diego Costa, actually, <laughs> who was one of the one of the worst exponents of the dark arts. I think I'm able to pick him as well because obviously we got the better of him in what was it, 2017, something like that, when Rob Holding that that shot of him standing over Diego Costa, giving him a bit back. Absolutely loved that. But yeah, on his day. He was absolutely horrific to play against for for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, apparently, according to Chelsea mates, a really nice bloke. 
off the pitch. I like <laughs> I mean genuinely a lovely person. And then he crossed that line and he turned into a monster, didn't he? And it was uh, it was it was amazing. And obviously if he's on your team you love a player like that. Um well, I said only one each. I mean I've got two, right? Dennis Wise Obviously, Dennis mm. Wise, and for all those uh, who haven't heard the joke, um, Dennis Wise is a shot in golf, isn't he? He's a he's a nasty little five footer, is what they used to say. It's a difficult part. It's a Dennis Wise and uh, ex Celtic Scott Brown. Scottish football fans will know Scott Brown. Uh, uh, Possibly better than any of the rest of them that we've talked about <laughs> at this sort of stuff. Uh, but we've got a decent team and a sub there as well. Who's the gaffer? <laughs> Oh, that's a good that's a really good question what Neil Warnock possibly Neil Warnock yeah. would be up there There's maybe Mourinho maybe Mourinho, oh, Mourinho of Simeone's course Simeone he's a nasty one isn't Conte it? there's loads of them we've got more managers than we've got players in season but anyway Sunday afternoon 4.30 Liverpool biggest game of the season so far Adrian is it is it win or bust or is it more we definitely can't lose. I mean, I mean, I'd like us to win, but obviously, if we lose, we're eight points behind, and I'm not seeing us catching them at that point. Yeah, I, I think yeah, don't don't lose. If we, if we lose, then then yeah, I think the gap's probably too big. I mean, Liverpool have only lost once this season. It's you know, it's, and even then, they probably shouldn't as well. It was an ast- there's a big asterisk against it, isn't there? Obviously, yeah. with the controversy at Tottenham, so. They're having a tremendous season and I think they will have a wobble between now and the end of the season, but maybe not enough of a wobble for us to to make up that gap. So, yeah, must not lose. But look, it's a game we've got to attack, in my opinion. It's a game where opportunity knocks. And if we we win it, which we are more than capable of winning, even though I rate Liverpool, we, we can beat them. Then, then we're right in that race, aren't we? So, yeah, let, let's attack the game and close that gap. I, I do think that a fast start is really imperative here. Tear at them like we did in the FA Cup game, but this time let's bring our shooting boots and um, yeah, let's let's ask some questions to this team because their strengths are going forward. You will look at the numbers and say oh, they don't let in many goals. They're solid, and you look at Van Dijk and Canate, really good partnership, but. They do give chances up. They do rely on Alisson quite a lot. So let's get at them. James, we should have beaten them, shouldn't we, in the FA Cup? I mean, I mean, I know people were pretty low after that game because we'd lost to Fulham and we'd lost to West Ham and we didn't seem to be able to score. But we made chances in that game. In other games, we're two up before they even get a sniff. Very possibly. I mean, I do think that you know, an early goal really can change the dynamic of a game. I think it would do on Sunday if we could get it. Uh, so I think we're good enough, certainly, to beat them. I think we probably need to, actually. I know we're saying don't lose, but I think if, if we have any real aspirations of winning the league, personally, I think we probably do need to take these points off Liverpool because, you know, they may well have a wobble, but they've survived majority of this period without Mohamed Salah and some pretty challenging games in that period as well. He looked at the fixture list and thought, oh, they might drop points here, they might drop points there. They've not, they've got that big uh, kind of emotional boost now with Jurgen Klopp saying he's on his way. I think that's going to help them more than hinder them, to be honest. So I think if if we want to win the league, personally, I think we'll have to have won this game to do it. 
Yeah, all right. And and in terms of that emotional boost for them, Jurgen Klopp is stepping down at the end of the season. I mean, he has been a positive for the Premier League. James, I'll ask you first. I mean, I watched Liverpool the other night and I've seen City quite a few times. If we finish above the two of them, I think we'll, <laughs> I think we deserve to anything we get. It's an unbelievable performance because they're great teams. But in terms of Liverpool, that emotional connection that they have, I mean... We, That'd be something that Mikel Arteta is looking at and thinking, that's what we want as well, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it was said sometimes of Arsenal last season, they're a bit too emotional, but you never really seem to hear that said of Liverpool, who are a club that is kind of fueled by emotion a lot of the time. And I think But the Jürgen... City is as well. The City has got that vibe about it. So... Totally. And, and I think Jurgen Klopp's done a lot to foster that in terms of the connections with the fans and the atmosphere. I mean, think about when we went to Anfield and he basically threw the gauntlet down to his own supporters and said, you know, we need a certain atmosphere. We, we, we need that to get the result we want. I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you know, you can think of occasions in the past when Fergie said he was going, it kind of destabilised Man U a bit and he ended up having to reverse. I think in this situation, I think it will help Liverpool. I think it will give them a lift. I think they'll be determined to finish on a high and he will be determined to make sure he goes out on a high as well. So, yeah, I think they look strong right now. And I'm impressed by... The thing I'm most impressed by, actually, is that he's leaving them in such a strong position when you consider the season they had last year. I don't think you see that too often, where a manager's team, it seems to be tailing off. It looks like it might be the end of an era, but they're able to stabilise and not just stabilise, but go again and compete at the very top end. I think that tells you how good Klopp's been. And he's, he's going to leave almost certainly, you know, right at the top of his game, whether or not they win the league, to be honest. Adrian, is that a lesson for other clubs to look at what happened at Liverpool last season? And obviously it fell away quite a bit for them. But it, as it turns out, he was building another great team. Yeah, a good manager is a good manager. And yeah, one one indifferent season doesn't doesn't mean that they should should go. It doesn't mean it's the end of the road and, and Klopp is proof of that. Yeah, but it often does though, it, doesn't it? Often it often really? does, yeah. Um, but it's not the first time this has happened, by the way, at Liverpool either. They've had a couple of real off-seasons during his tenure and come That's back... That's true when, when Van Dyke was injured yeah. and they uh, and they, they just about got into the top four, didn't yeah, they? They've, they? Yeah, they've, they've had these these years, like a Chelsea do. Chelsea obviously just changed their manager, spend even more money. But, but Liverpool have... Yeah, they've trusted him. He, he is a very good manager. I, would, I wouldn't say he's a massively innovative coach. I don't think he's brought that much tactically. You know, he's got a style. And they just he just gets players to fit that style. He manages them brilliantly individually. And, and, and they just play for him, don't they? They run their socks off for him. And they do. Yeah, he's, he, he, is, he is superb. And I'll miss, I'll miss him. I miss his teams in the Premier League. The Premier League will be weaker without Klopp, for sure. And I'll miss these games. I've got to be honest, because these games between Arsenal and, and, and Klopp have been richly entertaining, haven't they? Goodness me. I mean, yeah. they've battered more us goals a few than, times. More goals than any other game, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, it's been a brilliant fixture. And hopefully the, this one will be another. But but I, I'll be honest, I don't care if this is a good game or not. We, we just have to get the right result. We just have to get the get result. Win. Yeah. James, talking about tactically there, I mean, is this a game for two holding players, for example? Do you put Jorginho next to Rice and you give up a little bit going forward? Because you know that Zinni's still going to come inside, assuming that he's playing. What team are you picking? 
I think I think that's what they did in the FA Cup game, as I recall. I think Jorginho and Rice, it was almost like a box midfield, really, with those two playing deeper. And then Havertz was ostensibly the number nine, but he was dropping in next to Odegaard. Um, and they played that sort of magic square. I, I think there might be an argument for something like that. I quite like the stability and the platform that gives you. I know there are other options in midfield. Kai Havertz came off the bench at the weekend, so he's had a bit of a rest. Emil Smith-Rowe back in contention after his first start in a while against Forest. But yeah, I, I would maybe be tempted by the structure and stability of uh, a Jorginho next to a Rice. You've still got you know, Saka, Martinelli, potentially Jesus up top. I still think that gives you a lot of threat. Odegaard as well. But I think... You know, they can be so devastating going forward that I think that will help Arsenal control the game better. But I don't yeah. know, what do you think, Adrian? Yeah, it's a quandary, that is for sure. The honest answer is that I'm torn over it because I can see that argument. It, it worked, I think, against Manchester City as well, where we sort of, we, we were stable throughout that game. We didn't go crazy, did we? And, and we grew into it and eventually we ground them down. But the way I look at it is almost as if I want two teams in this game. I kind of want a starting team that attacks Liverpool, that is, is maybe your team for an hour, and then goes and, four and, up, and then, and then and then yeah, once we're three up, we'll just bring on the you know bring on the defensive. <laughs> but that that's one way of looking at it. Go with go with your your attack minded midfield three. You know, with Rice at the base, and you know either Cat Havertz or, or Smith Rowe and Erdegaard. Go with Zinchenko because I, I wouldn't change Zinchenko. I'll be honest, because I think he still gives more than 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 it takes away when he's not there. If Salah's play, even if Salah's playing, by the way, and I don't think Salah will be playing. No, if 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 Tommy Asu and Timber were fit, Zinchenko wouldn't start. But they're not. They're not available. And Kivior, unfortunately, I, I think you lose too much with Kivior yeah. in terms of what we do with the ball. So I think you just have to risk it with Zinni, certainly for the first hour. If you look at Liverpool season, they have been an incredible second half team. Okay, they've won 16 of 22 second halves, which is just mental, really. I mean, it's, it's just superb. By far the best team in the second half. Away from home, their goal difference in the second half is 15-4. Okay. Wow. In the first, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, that is, that is scary. But, and we saw that in the FA Cup game, in the first half, away from home, is six apiece. In the opening half an hour of games away from home, They've scored two. They've let in four. That is the time. That is the vulnerable time for Liverpool, or it has been throughout this season. So I say, let's pick a, a reasonably attack-minded side, go for it, and then if we do get into that position, then we can maybe you know shut that back door and bring on a bring on someone like Jorginho to tighten things up, or even a Kivior later on in the game. That's the way I'm thinking. But I also I also would say the more pragmatic approach by going with Jorginho from the start might be more sensible. But, but yeah, I, th I think catch them cold is is the tactic that I would I would be preaching to the players if if I was in their shoes. 
James, he's turned me around. I was thinking more pragmatic, but actually, no, because I always, one of the things I used to complain about with, with Arsene Wenger's teams is that he would basically go, no, this is our team. We're playing our football and we're not changing. And then I remember going to Man City away whenever it was when he played Cockerland in holding midfield and we won 2-0 and he went, oh, oh that, this is what we can do if we adapt a little bit. I mean, I, I listen, this is a, a job for the manager. In terms of Zinchenko, Adrian, you're picking him. James, yeah, no, I, I would be. And like Adrian, if Julian Timber or Tommy Asu was fit, I think they'd probably be in the head of him. But they're not available for us right now. And therefore, I think Zinchenko picks himself. It, it, it's a really tricky one, the bounce of this game. And I, and I think Adrian's right. You know, you have to look at these Premier League matches now as full 90-minute spectacles. You know, you've got five substitutions potentially to make. The, the 11 you finish the game with can be de- very different from the one you start with. And I think that's what good management is. It's about thinking about how do I start this game and how do I finish it? I just think a tighter game, a more controlled game may suit Arsenal because when I look at the way Liverpool have been finishing, with the possible exception of Darwin Nunes, I fear if it gets into a shootout, I think they'll be stronger than us. But, yeah. you know, maybe I'm a bit... I've got a bit of trauma from some of our, our finishing over the last couple of months. <laughs> James, just on that, having written a book about boxing, you know yeah. about this, right? If you're in with one of these punchers, with a guy who could knock you out, you maybe are slightly more pragmatic, right? I mean, this is how you view a fight like that. So maybe that's how we have to view Liverpool as well. They, they If we play a more controlled game, we just keep them at arm's length. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that is the model that Arsenal kind of used against City. You know, they boxed clever in that game. They waited yeah. for their moment. They got a bit lucky in the final 10 minutes. I suppose the difference here is you'd say maybe over the course of the campaign, there have been more questions asked of Liverpool defensively than there have been of City. There might be a bit more vulnerability there, a bit more <laughs> capacity to get at them. So what are you saying? <laughs> I'm saying it's difficult and I don't know. I'd say no. I probably, I'm inherently a bit, maybe a bit conservative, yeah. so I would probably yeah. go for something more structured and play the odds a bit. Mm. But, I, I, you know, I could be persuaded. Yeah. yeah. And, and even if we do pick a, a, a normal team, so to speak, with, with sort of two attacking midfielders, it doesn't mean we have to be gung-ho and, and, and leave gaps. You can still, still have control with those guys. But yeah... It is a genuine 50-50 call for Arteta and he's got to get it right. But the players have also got to get it right. They've got to take their chances. Take their chances, exactly. If we take our chances, because we have created a lot of chances. I think I worked it out. I think, was it 31 chances across the two games, okay, this season? And we haven't scored from open play yet, which is a a massive disappointment and a massive frustration. But But the fact that we've created 31 against a team, by the way, that absolutely annihilated Chelsea the other night. I worked on that Killed game. Him. I was Killed commentating him. on it and goodness me. I mean Chelsea were, Chelsea were <laughs> terrible, but um, <laughs> but you know they are they are a quality team. So you know, we are a quality team as well, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And let's give them things to worry about too. So um Cannot yeah. wait. <laughs> Cannot wait. I mean, this is this is why we wanna we wanna be involved in games like this, right? And Mikel Arteta has brought meaning back to these games and we thank him for that. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They get a handbrake off and you can see that they are more free to play. Ian Stone, James McNicholas and Adrian Clark here on Handbrake Off. Deadline day came and went. The race for Cedric Suarez rather predictably, <laughs> predictably ended with him staying at Arsenal. James, he, he likes being there. The players like him there. He's got no reason to leave. He brings good vibes to the dressing room. There's something to be said for that, right? Yeah, I think you're being very, very kind there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can't sell him to anyone. What are we going to do? We might as well just look for the positives. Yeah, I mean, listen, no, I I know for some of the younger Portuguese-speaking players, he's been a helpful dressing room (laughs) presence. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Brings in those little custard tarts every couple of days. Exactly, they love that. They love that. A taste of home. They are nice, but They are are nice, (laughs) But what I would say is it's very telling that Mikel Arteta basically doesn't pick him. You know, ever, yeah. If he can at all avoid it, I think he maybe played in that final group stage game, but apart from that, we've not seen him at all. Um, so you know, I I think Arsenal probably would have been open to letting him go, but nothing's materialized. And it was a very, very quiet deadline day. You know, normally I'm in the office till 10, 11 o'clock at night. I was basically in bed by that time. Yeah, well, there's nothing going on. I watched, I watched uh, a Sky Sports transfer deadline day for about 10 minutes they were just sitting about I mean there was nothing going on oh what a disaster for them by the way on Cedric uh, the Turkish window is still open Um, yes true another week yeah so all is not lost we might get rid of that 100 grand a week (laughs) it is 100,000 pounds a week I mean we laugh at that right we got another what four months of the season that's 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 whatever that is two million quid or something I mean it is insane actually but there you go anyway we'll see what happens there didn't sign anyone. 
Adrian, we sat on this podcast a number of times. We've all sat on this podcast a number of times. So, oh, we need a forward. We need this. We need that. But Mikel Arteta said we couldn't get the players we want for the money we want. And obviously there are FFP implications as well. So we wait until the summer and we go with what we've got. In the end, you can't argue with that. No, we, we, we said we'd have to be creative and, and you need bias. So we, we knew that someone good might have to leave this month for us to bring in somebody else. And the, the thing is, your teams just don't want to spend money or, or weren't able to spend money this month. So we couldn't do it. And uh, yeah, the funds weren't obviously there to to just go out and, and buy someone without selling. So we have to accept it for what it is and and think about the summer. The good, the good news is that I don't think any of our immediate rivals really strengthened either. So it's as you were. Let's let's just kick on and have a strong second half of the season. Timber coming back, Party coming back, Smith Rowe coming back into form. These are all boosts, aren't they? So let's take that as 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 like a new signing and and work from here. I would personally rather rather wait until the summer to get the right player than just just panic now. So it's it's fine. James, what are your feelings about this? Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, if if the business isn't there to be done, I think Arsenal needed to sell probably one or two players to really strengthen significantly. There was no market. You know, even someone like Aaron Ramsdale, who everyone expected to go in this month, there wasn't a permanent buyer for him at a price Arsenal would have deemed acceptable. So we stick rather than twist. And I think Arsenal have shown in the past that when they wait for the summer and they sort of prioritise their key targets in the summer, it generally has gone pretty well over the last few years. So... You know, you think of last January, the pushing for Moises Caicedo didn't happen, ended up with Declan Rice. I think it was the January before, everyone said they needed number nine, didn't get one, ended up with Gabriel Jesus. I think they've got a track record there which shows that when they stick to the long-term plan, they tend to come out all right. In terms of this season, got to hope some of those players do get back from injury. You know, somebody like a Thomas Partey, what a, what a huge boost that would be to have him regularly available again. Uh, you, I almost forget at times that he's there. First half of last season, he was the best player in the Premier League. Yeah, he was outstanding. He was he was running games. And and, and it was, hang on a minute, we're 10 yards further up the pitch than we mm. usually are because oh. Thomas Partey's in control. And I wish he was fit enough him. to start this weekend. I've got to say, because then, mm. you know, I have to say that, you know, my my sort of little speech about being positive and, and taking the fight to, to Liverpool... You know, he I help. stand by that. But at the same time, if Partey was match fit, he plays. And Rice probably switch, switches to the left and, and Erdegaard to the right. So, or, or you have that double pivot probably instead. So, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, it's going to be good when he is back. And we, and we have got some really hard away games, haven't we, coming up? We've got obviously City away, we've got Spurs away. Man United away. United, it's not that hard, yeah. is it? But, but you know what I mean? You've got Brighton. <laughs> there are some... West Ham, which has been tricky for us in time, in recent times. So, yeah, the, our season kind of might hinge on those tough away tests. And I want Partey in the team with Rice for those. Well, we didn't buy anyone, and, <laughs> uh, but we got players coming back. And that obviously is a positive. Let's talk about the youth uh, for a little bit. Uh, Clarky, actually, you were with Liam Brady last night. Uh, he was speaking about the importance of bringing through youth players. Uh, we've lost a few in this window. What was the event, first of all? Oh, it was really good. Yeah, it was uh, Arsenal Independent Supporters Association. Yeah, lovely bunch. And yeah, it's the second event I've d- done with them. I did, did a sort of chat and a Q&A with, with Roy Massey, who used to work in the academies, retired now. But last night it was with an evening with Liam Brady at the Finsbury Park Picture House. Great turnout. 
And yeah, we sort of just had a chat for an hour, you know, fielded some questions from the audience. But but yeah, it was a really nice, really nice evening. And he stayed behind after signed some books and whatnot. And but yeah, we obviously talked a lot about the academy, not so much about the current system, but he's he's really happy with the, what Pear's doing. And but we did talk about the pathway and and how really a lot of it is down to circumstance, as in if the first team is exceptional at that time, then it is going to block the pathway and you are going to have to sell players and let them enjoy a career somewhere else. That's just going to happen. But he also said the cream of the crop, the very best, the true elite will always make it no matter how good that first team is at the time. You know, like, so, you know, Cess came through, you know, Wilshire came through, Ashley Cole. Is that true? I mean, I true. mean, all yeah, right. It is I, true. You do wonder if there are players, James, that were absolutely outstanding, but they just couldn't find a way into the first team. And then they went to another club and it didn't quite work out for whatever reason. I mean, I mean, it's obviously very easy to say when you, when you talk about the players that Adrian's just mentioned there, mm. But we just don't know. I mean, there's so much luck involved. Liverpool, we were talking about Liverpool earlier. You know, that kid who's playing at right back for them, mm. he's only got a game because Trent is uh, it has been injured. So, you uh, you know, Saka only got in the team because of injuries as well. You never know. That's true. And you do get the odd case with players who, you know, are released but end up turning up elsewhere and making a career for themselves. But I think by and large, when there's a special player in the academy... People know about it and those players do tend to get a bit of preferential treatment. It's interesting because we live in a world where, you know, every time there's a youth game, you'll get clipped up highlights of a player all over social media and we all become convinced they're the next best thing. And then, you know, a couple of years down the line, they're being sold off and and we sort of wonder what might have been. I think the hype machine that exists now around youth football and the academy sides in particular, especially at a club the size of Arsenal, is actually a bit dangerous and can create kind of uh, uh, expectations that maybe aren't necessarily realistic or appropriate. You know, you look at a guy like uh, Miguel Aziz, who, who left the club yesterday permanently. I think he's gone to the third tier pretty much of Spanish football. You know, it shows you that the, the, the names that are sometimes tipped for stardom don't necessarily make it. And there can be all sorts of factors that go into that. But I think if ultimately, if you are really special, if you are good enough, then I think you'll be okay. I think that, that what happens is that we end up pinning our hopes on a lot of guys, maybe when it's just not realistic for them to, to make that step. Yeah, well, one thing Liam was talking about at length really was was how how talent alone is never going to be enough. And that he, he'd worked with so many talented players that in the academy down the years. And he said, the, you know, the ones that sort of d- didn't fulfil a potential, a lot of it was down to they just didn't love football enough. And and you can watch any, you know, amount of YouTube clips and you see, watch these great highlights reels of players. But if they don't love football uh, you know, enough, they won't make it because they won't, you know, they won't keep trying to better themselves. They won't, they won't improve. They won't analyze. It's, you know, it's got to come from within and none of us can judge that, you know, it's down to the individual. He did talk about Ashley Cole, which was really interesting. He said, look, at 17, there were a number of coaches that didn't really fancy him and that, that Arsene himself wasn't wholly convinced by him. But he said it wasn't until he went on loan to Crystal Palace. And because basically it was a loan. It wasn't a loan with a view to this kid is coming in and he's going to be the best left back in the world. It was a loan 
to you know just give them some experience maybe maybe a loan to sell and Ashley was so good at Crystal Palace and they they raved about him so much that Arsene was like I need to look at this kid properly and then he gave him his chance and he never looked back and and that's why these loan spells are so so important because until you see someone in men's football where it really matters you don't know well, a couple of loan spells. Charles Sago Jr. has joined Charlie Patino on loan at Swansea. High hopes for both of them. We've had a few leave as well. Uh, Lino Souza moved to Aston Villa on a permanent deal. Bradley Ibrahim joined her to Berlin. James, do you think that... I mean, we've talked about this. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but do you think that the youth team and the academy still see the pathway? Listen, I think it definitely gets harder because Arsenal's first team is is at such a high level now that I think it's it's not like when Saka and Smith-Rowe broke into the team and we were languishing in mid-table and looking for a fresh impetus. Um, I think it's possible that the academy becomes a really beneficial revenue stream for the club. I might sound overly cynical, but you know, clubs like Chelsea have made an awful lot of money selling off academy players. And actually, I think we could be a bit smarter maybe in terms of maximizing some of these player values. You know, this might be a bit cynical, but someone like Lino Souza would it have been smarter to give him 6 months on loan somewhere so that he could build a profile or give him you know, five minutes at the end of a game so that when we do sell them to Aston Villa, that price point is a little bit higher. Maybe maybe that's too cynical. I don't know. But I think that we may, we may have to grow accustomed to a lot of our academy players having really promising careers elsewhere and only the very cream of the crop staying at Arsenal and making it Arsenal. And it, it was like that for a long time with, with Arsene Wenger. You know, he had, he had a great eye for talent. But think of players like Steve Sidwell, for example, who had to leave and ended up working his way all the way back up to Chelsea. I think we might see some stories like that with Arsenal in the next few years. I remember reading an interview with Ben Napper, who's now at Norwich, but he was the loans manager, wasn't he? And um, I don't know if I read it or watched it on YouTube. It, it might be out there somewhere. But he was talking basically about about this and saying that with the young players, internally, they, they categorise them and they say, well, this, this batch here, uh, ones we think are high potential to be in our first team. And this lot here are probably going to be sold. And, you know, that is the way it is. And and that it's a very important part of that loan manager's remit to maximise the value of these players and to, and to bring in that revenue through that. And, and, and don't for a minute think that, that players would be that upset by this because every player is realistic. Yeah, you, you dream about playing for Arsenal. That's the ultimate goal. But really, you just want to have a career. You want to be a pro. And if you get sold to someone like Sousa has to Villa, that's that's still fine. You know, that's still, um, you know, he's got a platform, hasn't he? So, so you know, it's just, it, you have to be a bit cynical and, and Arsenal and all clubs are. Liverpool have sold a lot of youngsters down the years for, for big money as well. I think obviously Dominic Solanke's one, who's now worth an awful lot of money. Quite. And like you say, very, very important to bring in the revenue so you can pay Cedric a hundred grand a week. <laughs> <laughs> let's, um, um, let's have a song to finish. James, what you got? Well, yeah, I was thinking of Alex Renison. Farewell to the Icelandic international. So I picked a song from another Icelander, which reflects the transfer window. I think uh, Bjork. It's oh so quiet. <laughs> And quiet. Shh. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, Adrian, what you got? Yeah. I, do you know what? I had that on my had that on my short list. I did. I did. I, I, <laughs> I some, love that you have a short list. Well, not really. Way. That's absolutely great. I always think of a theme, <laughs> but I had two in mind, and one was that. So yeah, yeah. That's gone. The other one is seize the moment, seize your day, because this is it. This is the season, really. It's a crossroads game, um, and I found a song called Seize Your Day by Deluxe. Now, it's not a song I was familiar with before, but I've listened to it and it's not bad. And it's got a nice little chorus. And in that chorus, it says, Seize your day, get up and slay whatever may get in your way. And that kind of, that's the vibe, uh, you know, I'm feeling ahead of this this test against Liverpool because it is going to be an examination. But it is. we're good it enough is. to seize the day. I think we are. They should play it in the dressing room before the game. They should also play uh, this one, by the way. Maximo Park, apply some pressure. See how things turn out. If you apply some pressure, I like to wait and see how Because I was listening to it the other night. It's a rocking tune. Yeah. And uh, that's what we got to do. we got to stifle them and stop them playing and then beat them properly. And what an atmosphere there will be on Sunday at the Emirates. Anyway, that's it for this edition of Handbreak Off. Thank you to Adrian Clark and thank you to James McNicholas and thanks to Jay, our producer. As much as you can, enjoy Sunday. See you Monday. Ta-da. 